Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to Gloss, the celebrity and pop culture podcast and conversations you have with your best friends. We're your hosts, podcaster Belle Crawford, that's me, and Anna Scarborough-Rawson. Hello. Hello. For the last four years on my socials and through the Self Love Club, I've had my book club sharing recommendations also of the latest shows. So this is a new home for us to chat about books, shows, all the good stuff. And our first show club, it's really a show meets book club because we're covering Dolly Alderton's best-selling memoir, Everything I Know About Love, which has recently been released as a TV adaptation made by the BBC and available on TVNZ Plus in New Zealand and Stan in Australia. Now, a bit of a background on Dolly. She is a British author. This book is a Sunday Times bestseller. It's very popular, isn't it? It is very popular. It's got a cult-like following yeah. and it's thought to be like the handbook for millennials. Like a lot of people looked up to, you know, the Bridget Jones diary. This has been the book uh, for a lot of us maybe that grew up in the era now, our memories of reading the book, because this is one of my all-time favorite books. I've even got the copy in front of me, which is looking a little worn, worse for wear. But it really, this was one of my favorites. And I picked it up when I was in London. It had been newly released, not to be that cliche girl, but like, hey, I got this book in London. But it was newly released. I picked it up in a bookshop over there. And I have never related more to a book in my life. I found the perspectives, the nostalgia, again, for millennials, things that maybe if you were going to uni or growing up uh, back when the show was set in 2012, incredibly nostalgic, we'll talk about that. And also I thought the vulnerability that most authors and media shy away from, a lot of people want to seem perfect or well put together. And even if you were doing silly stuff like drugs or like just silly normal things that yeah. in this book, yeah. I know I was doing some of them and uh, you'd get shamed, especially women doing stuff like that. You know, even by other women, you just get shamed a lot. So I don't know. I just felt like it really normalized the messiness and hilariousness of your 20s. And I just thought it was great. She got it and she was really funny. I think also you depending on where you are in your life when you're reading the book or it resonates with you more. Like you were obviously in London, you were single, you were living your best life and it would have resonated with you so much and you've obviously got really nostalgic memories of it. I downloaded it on audiobook and it took me halfway to get through until I realised I had read half of it. So I'm, I'm not sure what I was doing, but I really enjoyed listening to the audiobook and watching it. Yeah, as, a, as my ripe old age of 30, it was quite nostalgic to watch these girls. Well, they're 24 in the program, weren't they? Mm, yeah, 24, 25. And it was set in uh, 2012. So, I mean, the book itself covers off things like Dolly's life, essentially, from when she's a teenager to later on. And, you know, talking about things like MSN and everything she knows about love at certain ages and things she's experiencing, which, 
you know, for us millennials, it just it just brings back a lot of memories, which I think is what this book does so well. Yeah, no, and also like in the book, there are those invites to like a dinner party at the beginning of a chapter, or there's an invite to a, a hen's party later on, and they are quite funny the way oh they are written. My God, I was just thinking that because I we've been re-listening yeah. to the audiobook to do this episode. The hen's invite it was like to everyone who's known Emily. That's hilarious. If you and need you have to... not made the final cut, like just oh. because you've been invited to the hen's party doesn't mean you're going to make the final cut to the wedding. Yeah, it's so savage, and the way she writes it is just so ironically hilarious. And again, like you say, everyone's going through different things at that stage. Whether you're whether it's someone you're settling down, like or you're getting married, and some of us aren't getting married in our twenties, and so. I found it really funny because from my perspective, you get everyone's weddings and babies are celebrated. But for those of us who aren't, it's kind of like left behind. Yeah, like not mm, I don't not know, left, left behind, but you know what I left mean. Out. Yeah, and left like left, yeah. it's like those are the things that matter. But it's like, oh, this is my wedding day. But don't think that you're coming, even though you're going to come spend all this money to have a shit time. Essentially, yeah, yeah, no, like it's just taking the funny. piss. Like if you don't want to drink prosecco all day, you'll have to organize your own drinks. And it's, thinking, well, you've actually paid for it. But anyway, it was just really funny. Yeah, I was like, transfer £339 to this account. If you haven't, then all the rest of the girls will have to cover your half. I did find that those were things quite funny. Even though the book and the series do have quite a few differences, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, what they both have in common is they do portray the relationship between females in the 20s and like they're growing up and the maturing and all the firsts and living together it does nail that, even though it's taken some creative liberty. Yeah. It still is, and which is the essence of the book. Yeah, totally. The TV adaptation, as Anna mentioned, is a fictionalised version of the book. So, I mean, there's a few parts to this. There is no way they could cover all of the book's contents in a seven-part series. And also, Dolly has said that BBC wanted to focus on the female friendship as being a core part of the book. You know, the friendship you saw between... In the book, Dolly and Farley, but Maggie and Birdie in the TV series. And here's Dolly talking about this on this podcast called The Broadcast Behind the Scenes. We were so lucky. Our um, This is like the opposite of what my dating life has been like. And then the minute that we got the BBC on, it was just, it like invigorated it again with this whole new life. It was there I did do flashbacks because it was the drama department rather than the comedy department. They made it very clear that we had to really hone in on that central relationship to, you know, keep it focused, to keep it plotty. Yeah, in an interview with Radio Times, Dolly explained that changing the series to be semi-fictional was the most freeing thing that happened. And she chose to do so after hearing producers have a debate about Dolly's character. She said, So the minute that I kind of decided to open that up and take the essence of the show, which is the kind of grand romantic story about female friendship and a coming-of-age story for the protagonist and a girl gang show with this group of girls who have just moved to London, then the rest of it was as imagined as I wanted it to be. Yeah, smart move by here, I think. Because she even said that some of the stuff either happened or they're like her biggest darkest secrets and that way you'll never know which I thought was really cool yeah so vulnerable of her to share some of the stuff she was saying that watching Emma Appleton who plays her in the show film some of the her embarrassing stories that really did happen was just like the most cringe thing ever behind the camera to watch and it would just be like revisiting (laughs) your dark like the things that haunt me at night watching them and everyone else in the world watching them too 
Yeah, definitely. That's what I think connected with this book, her realness and that, and I guess that vulnerability, but in quite a funny way, like touching way. And obviously at times, you know, she talks about anxiety and like her, why she would drink and, you know, experiences with boys and love and everything like that. And it would take on quite serious notes, but a lot of the time it was sharing that silly stuff that we do. Like I said, the messiness and the stuff that when, I know I was doing some of that stuff, maybe not to the extreme, but as a, you know, they've got to make the TV character an extreme version. Yeah. But then when you were doing things like that, even your friends, your real friends supported you. But if you were to talk about it at all, you kind of got shamed or people were like, oh, girls shouldn't act like that, you know? Yeah. It's funny because now she quite often will say that she doesn't recognize herself, who that girl in the book was, because it seems like such a long time ago. And that she even wouldn't have a drink with that girl. You do change and grow up and I think they are really such character defining years but not everyone writes a memoir at 28. So Mm. hers is for everyone to read and will forever be on people's bookshelves. Yeah, now the TV adaptation is set in a flat share in London's Camden in 2012 and if you have been to London, Camden is very cool but as the TV show touches on, it kind of was cool before then, and she sort of arrived there. It's still very, like, cool, northern London and everything, but it was where, you know, your Kate Moss and your Amy Winehouse, RIP, they all sort of, all those rock stars and that sort of esque of London would live. And then I guess these girls who went to university out of London and then moved there, that was probably where they thought was really cool. But, and I know you've got some interesting points on this, but I guess watching the show you might think, oh, that's a pretty yuck flat well, you know, it's falling apart. But in terms of London, that was actually quite a big, nice flat for newly graduated girls, people to be living in. You know, all the rock stars, Amy Winehouse, RIP, they sort of lived around there. But you may not realise from watching the show, because I think they did make it relatable in a lot of ways, but the flat they lived in in London was really big and a very nice flat for newly graduated people, girls to be living in. Yeah, Dolly admitted that the one in the series is a tiny bit nicer than hers was. In the book, the house was so, she described it so well and you could really imagine it. The only, I guess, nod to that is they had a bit of mould in the beginning of one of the episodes, which the landlord came around and like dropped off a dehumidifier. But in the book, the house was really falling apart. In the series, it's a huge, like three-story, massive house. And I think it's when you're watching this that you, like it clicks just how privileged these girls are. It's not your standard first sort of flat share. They are all from the greater London area. They all come from quite privileged backgrounds. I don't know if it's from watching the show or revisiting the book at the wise old age of 30, but it really clicked for me this time just how privileged Dolly and her friends are. So while I relate to a lot of these issues and it's this nostalgic love story about your 20s, it also does reek a bit of like privileged girl problems. And I think it is relatable for a lot of people, a lot of things that they touch on. Dolly has acknowledged herself that a lot of her um, fame is not directly because of it because she's a very talented writer and she's had an amazing book and very like successful podcast the high low she's not around anymore RIP. she is really good at what she does but she also acknowledges that she is conventionally attractive and that that's helped her and I think a lot of that 
as obvious in Maggie's character too. You get the vibe that she's been mollycoddled by her parents and has lived a very sheltered life. She's always been told she's amazing, never heard the word no and been given every opportunity to succeed. And because of this, the idea of her not getting what she wants doesn't really cross her mind. Mm. Um, And in the book, you don't dislike Dolly because of that, but controversial opinion, I know we both kind of feel the same way. I really didn't like Maggie because of that. And I think... Mm her um, sort of self-destructive, self-sabotaging nature and the way she is just so, it's not even like a confidence thing, it's just almost like an air of like flippant disregard for everyone else. It rubs, like, rubs me up the wrong way. Mm, my, I was talking to my sister about this because obviously she loves well, a lot of us <laughs> what female isn't watching this show and reading this book but she was saying the same thing that you know in the book you love Dolly and I totally adore Dolly in the book but you're right in the series Maggie who yeah is fictionalized off Dolly's character you don't yeah you don't like her as much you find her I definitely could relate to aspects of that I don't know if I should I mean I could say that out loud there's definitely like I say not to the extreme because obviously it's a tv show so they they have to show extremes or else it's boring yeah but there's definitely aspects I could relate to and I think sometimes she you're right it was at times flippant um selfish behavior I think as well that sometimes she almost couldn't help it it was sort of like she was impulsively doing things yeah no I agree with that you know bartering with a taxi driver in the middle of the night to drive you hours away to see a guy you had a whim to see while drunk and high and then having to get your friends to buy you a train ticket home because you spent 200 pounds on a taxi and you have no money that's a true story from the book and a lot of Maggie's stories like you said are the same as Dolly sorry it gets confusing with the Maggie and the Dolly but bear with if you've seen it or read it you'll know what we're talking about but quite a few of them are fictionalized or she said the mistakes are amped up Mm. or like the scene on the train to buy when she was buying drinks and she knew she didn't have enough money but she was kind of flirting with the waiter hoping that he might give her a freebie and then when she sees street she doesn't yeah she doesn't have to go there she doesn't get creep vibes she's just like oh this is going to be fun sort of thing she's Mm. it doesn't really seem to cross her mind that it could be a bit dodgy and she does put herself in some really and dangerous that's, situations. That's the part I could relate with because oh, I yeah. would often like, it took me a while to work out that not all attention's good attention and sometimes I would allow people who I shouldn't be to give me attention or think that they're safe when they're like looking back now, I'd be like, absolutely not. But yeah, I definitely, I totally know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to aspects of that. Like I definitely can look back on some things. I wonder how I'm still alive. You know, there's that scene where they're having that huge house party and her flatmates go to bed and she doesn't want the party to end. So she goes and gets more booze at like three o'clock and invites these teenage boys back. And then they end up robbing the house. And then to try and get a discount on their rent or be able to pay it late, she ends up doing MDMA with their landlord. The disgraced TV star. Yeah. I don't know if that was the same in the book, but on the show he was just like – just uh, this TV. He was a TV host. He was, or something, but yeah. he wasn't married or wasn't the ex-husband of Ro- Rohan, the Roshin. Roshin. Yeah, yeah. loved. I really oh like Roshin. Roshin is the um, yeah the TV producer that she worked with. Which Dolly actually worked. I don't know if you know this. You probably do if you're listening and you've read and watched everything. But she actually used to be a producer, a story producer on Made in Chelsea. 
And so that would have been based on her time as a reality TV producer. But Roisin, oh my God, she was iconic. One of my standout characters from the series. Yeah, I loved Roisin. She was so funny. <laughs> she was a vibe. She's like, get me to the party. Like, I'm not even going to try to direct it, but you know, get me to the party. Yeah. No, but I thought Emma Appleton did an amazing job and that all the actors were really well cast. Mm. In the book, Dolly portrayed herself as like an uncool, unsure kind of misfit. But in the series, Maggie, she came across as just a little bit too cool to be relatable. And that was like a real missed opportunity, I think, because so many people could relate to her in the book. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, Dolly's more likable despite her things she does, whereas Maggie felt more confident in she what was she so, was doing yeah, okay. so self-assured and like they tried to sort of make little references to that she was uncool but it was like you just didn't believe it in the book Farley who is Dolly's real life best friend they have had an incredible friendship over the years since they were young and they're still friends now so Farley becomes Birdie and Birdie is played by Belle Powley who you may know from the morning show on Apple TV with Jennifer Anderson Reese Witherspoon where she plays a personal assistant called Claire Conway She's 30 and she's been acting in TV and film since she was 15. A couple of more, maybe less known, but King of Staten Island, if you've watched that with Pete nope. Davidson. Oh, I did see yeah. um, some pictures on her Instagram of her with him and I just, yeah. I'd never seen her in anything before, but I thought she was amazing. Oh, she was my favorite. I love the Same. squawky voice and just her, just all the habits and things she did. I found her very funny and she was a very good patient friend. Yeah, it's funny because the TV show, Maggie came across not very likable and she was the one you were sort of rooting for the whole time in the book. But in the series, it was the flip. You were still rooting for Maggie. Birdie was my favourite character too. She, I think she was definitely amped up a little bit with her quirks, but you loved her for it. She had such an adorable quality that offset the protagonist's narcissism because Maggie could be quite narcissistic and selfish and self-destructive. But I think the best was when they had their scenes together. You really believe that they had been childhood friends. I think they were just so good together. Mm, They almost had that sister-like quality. It's an interesting concept as well, I, I guess, for anyone who may still be really close with their childhood best friend, you know, that... I guess when when you're going through different things, you know, when someone meets their boyfriend and it's like Farley got a birdie, I get confused between them both. I know, it's confusing. But, you know, she sort of said she didn't set out to meet her husband. They portray that really well of everyone's going through different things and you either drift apart or you grow together. That it kind of felt unfinished the way they left it. And, you know, there were so many huge topics in the book that they could have touched on a lot more and it would be impossible to give credit to all of those subjects but one of them was Farley Birdie then going on to get engaged and then in the book her engagement breaks up six weeks before the wedding and that is really like the situation that brings her and Dolly back together and Dolly helps her through that and all the friends really rally around her the series kind of ends it's almost it's like a breakup like that is the it feels like it's unfinished Mm, so it's like whether they're going to maybe try continue it or if they just decided to strip it back and there was no way that they could cover it all in a seven-part series I guess that was just the producer's call on what they did which is kind of a shame because it was kind of like the girlfriend you know your best friend found a guy, moved out, and kind of that was that. But in the book, actually, like it's quite different. Mm. She doesn't have this hateful, spiteful relationship with her best friend's partner at all. Like it talks about them 
drinking red wine on the couch watching TV, but in the show he has an outburst at her at a dinner party because she walks in and she's drunk and he's just fed up of her shit really, but also makes you wonder if they're maybe hoping it's going to be a season two. Yeah, I hope so, and I know that Dolly has plans and wants to make more TV, and I'm sure with the success of this and how many viewers she's probably able to draw in, they'd be quite interested in working with her again as well. Yeah, you're so right. There are so many parts. And it's one of those things when, you know, you hear people say when you read a book, the show or the movie's never as good. I did like the show. I really did like it. But I love the book so much more. Yeah, I think it was just such a complex book with so many issues. And it was a long period of time too. I know in the show they had the sort of flashbacks to their teenage years to kind of like give you context and understand backstories. But it's what from when they're 24 to 28 so I mean four years but those so much has happened in those four years there's quite a few big storylines that are left out like Farley's sister Florence dying and that is like a huge thing in the book but you can understand why they left it out because it would be quite awful and triggering for the family to have to watch and it would probably take away from the other storylines still to come we continue our analysis on the show club of everything i know about love including the casting and we hear from one of the actresses on whether they felt pressure to live up to the expectations considering the book has such a massive following and hugely hyped up also a scene from the show which we can all relate with, those are moments of anxiety, the, the mornings after with your friends, and we go there with Street. We've all had a street, but first, we've got a quick break. It won't take long. These ads allow us to continue to make a free podcast for you. We'll be back soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The other characters on the show were fictionalised from aspects of Dolly's friends who featured in the book. Now, Nell, who is played by Marley Sue, is a Scottish actress. She's actually won a BAFTA, a British Academy of Film and Television Award. And also, Amara was played by Alia Offerdin. This is her first major TV role. Very exciting. She has appeared in some short films. And here's Alia talking in an interview if the girls felt pressured because of the success of the book. It's based on, like, the world of the book, but it's not verbatim, so I don't feel like there's pressure to be exactly like anything in the book. And Dolly gave us so much autonomy over the characters, and there was such a collaborative process that it was kind of just fun. Yeah, I thought those two characters were really well portrayed, and they did seem to be a combination of a few of the friends from the book. I was listening to something where Alia was saying that because it was a made-up character, she got to be more involved in what she looked like, what she wore, her hair and things like that and that it was a really cool process to be a part of and like the dream role she was fangirling because she was a big fan of the book. Yeah, I loved her. I thought her character was great. The ballet, you know, the dancing and I really liked her mum, how she was supporting her, following her dreams. They all had different qualities of coolness and I felt like her and Nell you know, Nell wasn't a people pleaser. She had a few funny things going on like, you know, having uh what would you call it? 
online video sex with her boss. You know? Married boss. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and in the book, Dolly's friends, they were all white, but having the introduction of a black friend, I guess a sign of the times really, because in the years since the book was published, society has a growing self-awareness of privileged girl problems and, and recognising your privilege. And a clear attempt to address this is the introduction of Amara. There's a really powerful scene with Amara and Maggie where Amara makes it clear that Maggie cannot possibly get it when it comes to race but it's deliberate and reflective rather than socially woke. And crucially, it never hides Maggie's privilege. Like, Yeah, it was a really powerful moment because it stemmed from when they were having a conversation. They were at a bar having a wine and it was the introduction of the dating apps. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that was the time when dating apps became a thing. And they're on the apps and Amara asks Maggie, you know, are you experiencing getting men saying horrible things to you? And she's like, yeah, a bit. And it was interesting when that scene first happened because it's before Amara addressed the situation with Maggie later on in the show. Maggie was quite, I don't think oh, she, she realised. You, you just got a bad bat. She was very flippant and because she didn't understand. And I was like, well, yeah, that's probably quite hurtful to Amara. And then later on, Amara actually, you know, had a word to her about it and told her that she was really privileged and she didn't understand what it was like to be a black woman. And and fair enough, I thought that was a really powerful moment. And I thought the way that Maggie's character handled it as well was that she listened and was like, I am so sorry. Can we talk about Street? Oh my God, can we what? What a dick, but we've all dated a Street. Firstly, did anybody, like, did you notice how much makeup he had on? No. It was all I could look at for quite a while. But yeah, we've all dated some form of street, right? Yeah, I thought it was really cool how they portrayed different types of relationships, especially when you were in your 20s. And it's just the stuff you wouldn't put up with. I mean, hopefully some girls in their 20s wouldn't put up with that. But I know looking back, there's things that you absolutely would not put up with, but you sort of did because that's just what you thought it was like and would see the good. And we'd watched all those movies and things and glamorizing love and relationships that wasn't really like that and I guess letting dickheads get away with stuff maybe it's a really telling sign that um I didn't think he was that bad maybe that shows my toxic trait do you remember when he said awful he was saying awful things to her during sex like he yeah said she was so awful I didn't like that and she's saying it about herself and I just I don't know maybe it's just older Belle can look back and no, be like don't I, put up with that yeah I know but yeah I totally agree with that but the first time he said something he was kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek and then she kind of like was really into it mm. and then he was sort of he thought it was a bit of like a game you could see and then he, he's such a dick he was a fuck boy yeah for sure he would disappear on her he was so pretentious I think the way they obviously streets different to the character of the guy she dated in the book he was ironic and thinking that he was so cool and I feel like if he was someone in real life he'd be really into John Mayer <laughs> John Mayer the yeah. singer yeah totally if they're into that it's a red flag <laughs> um, I think everyone's dated a straight the slightly older guy who thinks he's too cool for everyone the one that makes minimal efforts to see you and if he does it's always at their place I did resonate a little bit with the scene where Street had mentioned to her he was having friends over and she could come round later after everyone had gone. She was sort of trying to make plans for that night to make herself look really busy and she'd just pop around after. But all her friends were busy, so she just ended up I think, going out by herself and getting yeah. 
wasted when you're like waiting around or trying to make yourself busy or not seem like you've got nothing to do but you kind of are just not being too available but you're making yourself available am I making sense just like that mindfuck of being that young I can definitely relate with that and that is what I was meaning before that we would date these people because that's what we thought it was like and supposed Mm -hmm. to be like and it's not till you're older and you mature a bit and maybe experience a healthy relationship you realize that that's not okay but totally you know we would put up with rubbish date guys that would they'd not talk to us for a while and then they'd invite you around but it'd be on their terms and introduce you to your friends or not it was just yeah you I totally know exactly what you mean we were definitely waiting around for guys I think a lot of us can relate with that there's nothing wrong with saying that out loud we were we were waiting for them and often it was on their terms you know story of our lives (laughs) not anymore The themes of the show, of course, cover, you've got female friendship, which I think they did a really good job of, love, all the things you're experiencing around those times, the nostalgia like we've talked about, you know, the references, the music, starting of social media, different times where we were at. Dating apps. Parties, how everything was, the time of having something I look back on now and I'm like, yeah, definitely. It's a time that you can look back at fondly while at the same time, I guess just, yeah, it's just fond memories of hard times, good times, but the times when you and your friends might be having one night stands or meeting random people out, that's not something that a lot of us or depending on your life stage, and you and I definitely aren't anymore and I don't want to be, but it was a, it was a fun time and I think they depicted that quite well with the girls and, and touching on female sexuality and, you know, the girls like high-fiving and having in the book, they have a book that people would, who come to the house would have oh, to sign, yeah. yeah, which I thought was cool because often you don't see that normalised for females on TV. It's mostly okay for men, but if it's women, it's sort of – but then when yeah. Dolly was doing things in New York, that's when it seemed a bit isolated yeah. because she was on her own. Away from – She went yeah. to that dangerous man's house. The, remember the French guy? And that guy? was a true story. Yeah, and then they didn't include it in the show as much, but in the book, she meets this guy on a dating app in New York. She's got no money. It's an absolute disaster She breaks while her she's phone there. on the way. Yeah, she breaks her phone, gets into this uh, taxi. He pays for the taxi, and when she gets there – he essentially wants her to have a threesome and she's not comfortable with that, doesn't want to do that. He does respect that, but his roommate who's like tapping on the on the door, like wanting to join in, he wasn't happy the next morning. They, I thought they portrayed it pretty well, but in the book though, they, they left out a bit where that flatmate was so angry and it was yeah. so, yeah. It was funny, but also a very dangerous situation yeah. she put herself in. And I guess that's what I mean by looking at it through the like 2022 lens, just how like self-destructive some of her behavior is and the dangerous situations that she puts herself in yeah what do you think yeah I totally I think you're right and I think as well we're probably looking back with a more mature lens on yeah totally because like I say I wasn't doing things to the extreme she her character was in the tv show but there's definitely some really reckless silly things I've done when I've been drinking, whether it's going home with people you don't really know very well or having them over at your place or whatever, texting or calling a guy so many times in a night when I was young or, you know, <laughs> going and meeting them in town. Just silly things that you would do just because you wanted fun and you wanted love and you wanted the night. And you didn't want to be alone. Yeah. And that's one of the big things for me, I guess, is the extent she goes to to avoid being alone yeah I think that resonated a bit being alone in your early 20s can be quite daunting whether it's a like a Friday night or a Saturday night and you feel like you're just I guess it's FOMO like everyone is doing something apart from you and you will go and see someone who's not a very nice person when the 
alternative is being by yourself. Yeah, and that's again a lesson you only learn as you get older that it's okay to be on your own and I'd love to be by myself on a Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I totally know what you mean when you are in your 20s. You can't bear to be alone and got to be at a party or, you know, you can't be at home on your own on a Saturday night. And also how bad she is with money too. How she's, I think, very people pleasery when she's out and she's got to buy the whole bar of strangers a round of drinks, even though she's not got the money to. And she wakes up and she sees, she sees she's in overdraft and her friends having to lend her money like Farley or Birdie in the show is quite often having to lend her money or help her out. Yeah, bailing her out all the time. And I've actually got a clip of that scene, which I thought was relatable in the fact, you know, when you'd go for a night out and the next day you were having those chats with your friends, whether you'd stay with each other, you were having sleepovers and you'd reminisce and tell all the stories and put the pieces of the puzzle together. Have a listen to this scene from Everything I Know About Love. I spent all my money again last night. Buying drinks for a load of people I'll never ever see again. Why did you buy them drinks? To make them like me without having to talk. You know, at the end of it, she doesn't end up with that guy in New York. And also, he's a guy that if she'd met in London, she probably wouldn't be interested in. He was like too... He was so sweet. Too sweet. He was the nicest guy she'd yeah. ever met. And then the nice guys in the show are portrayed as like quite boring. But I can relate with that because, and I've worked this out through growing up, but years of therapy and working out, I was attracted to guys like that because they seemed more fun and there was a spark and I thought that was the spark. I found guys that were really nice, quite boring as well. I totally relate to that. I think most of us do, right? Yeah, my type was red flags. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then now we've got nice, secure, you've got a husband, I've got a boyfriend and it's, it's so much more peaceful. There was a really beautiful scene in the show where... Maggie's mum actually says to her that, you know, the love you're looking for doesn't need to be explosions. It can be nice and, you know, someone who wants to do crosswords with you. And that was, a, I thought that was a really beautiful scene between yeah. her when she picked her up from the airport, dropped her home. I think there was a reason Dolly wanted that to be like the last thing that was spoken in the series. I read that somewhere. I'm talking like I'm so old and wise, but honestly at 24 I was getting married and trying to have a baby. I still feel like I did that all. I still feel like I can resonate with it, even though I was birdie. <laughs> I was the friend that moved out and shacked up. But it's funny because I was the person who was settled down earlier in my 20s. And then rebelled. Well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that. But yeah, definitely. So I guess I'm, and I'm grateful for it in a weird way, even though at the time you can think it's the end of the world. But when I was a teenager I at school, I only had two high school boyfriends. And I was it was probably when I started drinking when I was like 16 that I would get a little bit reckless. And it, probably, to be honest, my uni years were my reckless years. And I was only at uni for two years. And then I went straight into radio when I was 19. And then when I was not that old, I think I was like 21 or two. And I was pretty shacked up with someone for four years. We bought a house together, pretty settled down. And then when I was 25, I believe, I was single again. So I kind of got a second wave from 25 to 32. Had a real, uh, yeah, experience of it. It's freaking hard. Like, yeah, yeah, it's hard out there. And so I think a lot of us, and that's why I think I love the book so much, it kind of spoke to those of us that maybe hadn't settled down and felt judged for not settling down when it wasn't always our fault. Yeah. 
I think that is what the book is mostly about, is like the different stages of life that friendships go through and whether it's not always at the same time. And in the book, when Farley moves out, the revolving door of flatmates, their friends that move in and then they move out with their boyfriends and like the attachment that you have to those people and then you feel like they're leaving and they're like little mini breakups, but none as big as like the breakup, the main breakup of the whole story is between Dolly and Farley. That is, I guess, like the love story of the whole book. Yeah, and so I guess the difference with the show... And yeah, the way it ended, it was heartbreaking how their friendship ended, whether it will be picked up and... I don't know, it's kind of, it's been left open. I personally felt like the ending was a bit anticlimactic. Yeah, I obviously like to speak positively about things, but I did enjoy it, but I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I posted about this on my socials and that we were going to, because I was so excited, obviously I share a lot of things I'm watching, reading, and a lot of people were super pumped and, yeah, shared my excitement in that, and that was a book that they would buy for their friends, for presents. A lot of people absolutely loved it and resonated with it as well, so that was really cool to hear. So it made me feel like we were part of a little community, which I love. People were saying they were going to watch, they were watching it, and they were already re-listening to it, which, if you haven't, I would recommend doing that. It's super cool to revisit. Also, I had some really cool DMs chatting about it, which I love nerding out on this kind of thing, and that's what we're doing here. People were saying that they were a bit more disappointed in her next book, Ghost, which wasn't a memoir, uh, and they found it a bit more surface level, and I guess they just it didn't live up to the hype in their minds or the expectation of everything I know about love. I read Ghost. You were saying that you've, you've realized that you've had it I've beside your bed. I've got it beside my bed, yeah. It's a really good book, but it's later on a different stage in life when you're maybe people are like definitely older than this book. This is women in their 20s. This is, Ghost is probably more women in their 30s, which I found really cool. And it isn't a memoir, but you can definitely tell that, again, the main character is based on stories. I could just see Dolly when yeah. I was reading it. A couple of things on that. She doesn't need to recreate it. And maybe she can't. Like, she's done that. She's covered off so well a book about your 20s that she's allowed to move on. What do you think? Yeah, I think maybe people are picking it up after reading the book and they're wanting it to be so similar and they're disappointed because it is so different. But it's not even the same type of genre. It was her first novel. I guess that is the problem when you write your memoir at 28. People are wanting you to forever stay like 28. But she's... 30, 34 or something around there now. Mm. So people were just like pigeonholing her into being 28 forever, which I'm sure she'd love to be that young forever. But she's matured and she's a different person and everyone in the book's grown up too. Like most of her friends are married with kids and no one's asking them to relive their most embarrassing stories. But because she chose to share it with the world, it is like the most public platform. It's a double-edged sword. Well, I think it's the same for any artist. When they create something, people want the same thing again. And she did such a... She nailed this book. It's incredible. Yeah. The way she covered everything. I mean, you'll know if you've read the book compared to the show, there's so much more that's in this book than's on the show. And it can't be. So much vulnerability. And no one had really covered that perspective for our generation like she had. Dolly has actually come out and said that she feels embarrassed at how much she has shared, not just in the book, but in the blogs and the newspaper dating columns that she wrote. But as the show's come out, she said that she has no regrets, even if because of it she's become very private. She said, quote, Naturally, people become more private as they get older. I share very little about my life and I feel much happier and safer doing that. 
with my 33-year-old head-on, it's mortifying the thought of sharing that much about personal relationships. I had such a baptism of fire with that book. I really never expected to sell so many copies. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have been so revealing. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, she probably thought it's just her craft. And I'm glad that she did, but she's having that vulnerability hangover that you get sometimes when you share something, right? But yeah, good on her for sharing what she did. I thought it was incredible. And I'm glad that she shared with us because while you may look at the TV show and people will judge Maggie's character, personally, I didn't read the book and judge Dolly in a nasty way. Like some of the things were outrageous, but yeah, you don't. You don't like hate, hate her on for her. It. No, no, I thought she did a really good job and good on her for sharing stuff so openly because clearly it's resonated and all of us have really enjoyed her doing so. She's achieved everything that her younger self in her twenties dreamed of achieving. She's just grown up and matured and has realised that there is consequences to that, mm. and that's just maturity and growing up and not everyone is able to be that vulnerable either I'm having to do work to unpack so that I can actually share like I've almost like put too many protections up being in this industry Mm. um so it's okay to share but then obviously in a way that you feel comfortable with and not just for the sake of entertainment you know what I mean yeah it's a it's a tough one I can imagine I can see why she especially with the way greater audience that she has now because of this work why she would feel a bit more protected and It's a protection thing. Like you said, she doesn't share as much now and she feels better about that. Yeah, because it makes her feel too vulnerable if she keeps doing that, which is totally her boundary. That's totally okay. And we respect her for the vulnerability that she was happy to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not our right to know anything more about her. Like that was one chapter of her life, which she doesn't even recognize herself. I guess we can all look back. Can you look back at younger versions of yourself and not recognize yourself now? See the growth in yourself? Yeah, totally. I can look at myself in different situations or back at certain times and realize how much I've changed or how different things are. And yeah, I totally can. That's all we've got time for. This book is one of my favorite books ever. So there's obviously so much we could talk about with it. I was a little bit worried that we wouldn't be able to do it justice because there is so much to cover, but I feel like we covered it all and I hope you enjoyed watching and reading. And thank you so much for listening to this edition of Show Club on Gloss. Make sure if you haven't already, you hit subscribe on Apple or Spotify. That helps other people find our show. Also, you can leave us a five-star rating and if you're enjoying listening writing us a kind review plus you can find us and follow at gloss the podcast on instagram adios bye Bye.